everybody, welcome to Video Night. This episode, we want to take the airwaves. This, uh, uh, we're going to be basically discussing movies that uh, are about TV. <laughs> That's weird to say. I was trying to like put that in my brain properly, and it didn't come out the way I wanted to. <laughs> I'm your host, Michael. Mindy's on the other side. Hey. <laughs> That's a really neat watch, man. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe... I sold this penny, you know, all these stocks, and just the way he, we don't, they don't even know what movie we're going to talk about, but if you haven't figured it out yet, it's nope. UH, UHF, nope. but uh, we're going to be discussing UHF and Death to Smoochie uh, with Mindy here, and then we're going to go over to Jacob and discuss Kentucky Fried Movie and Amazon Women on the Moon, four movies that, yes, obviously connected to television, Death to Smoochie is the oddball, I guess, because it's not really sketch-based. It's more of a dark comedy, but it's all around television and, and the fact that it's about a children's host. That is like the kind of connective tissue we got going here. Sounds great. I thought about Shakes the Clown because that was about another demented child host or whatever, but I thought, meh, let's save that for like an episode where comedians just go dark, like Cable Guy and stuff like that. Ooh, yeah, I like that idea. Um, so, I am pretty sure that you only discovered UHF based on me renting and watching like three times in one day. Am I correct? Did you watch it with me? Probably. I don't remember. I can't honestly tell you. I don't remember, but I think I've seen this movie at least 15 times in my life. Yeah. Now? I, think, I don't know. I'm not sure. This is right when we first disco uh, discovered like spoof movies. We had seen yeah. Naked Gun for Christmas, 1988, and I had never seen Airplane, never saw Top Secret, Kentucky Fried Movie, any of the spoof movies that uh, came before. And it was Naked Gun that, like, you could just do this with a movie. You can take a plot and twist it inside out and make fun of all these great things. I, I, that's amazing. It is pretty great. Was. Let's just say was, <laughs> because it's been a while since we've had a good parody movie. What do you think the last straight-up good parody movie was? Ugh. Fuck. It's been a really, really I don't long know. time. The problem is... I it, have no idea. Do you know the difference between a parody, a spoof, um, a far... I don't, I don't know the difference between them, because some people say, well, this is a tongue-in-cheek spoof. Like, The Wrong Guy is a play on The Fugitive, the man-on-the-run kind of movies. Maybe if you consider that part of that world, that would probably be the last great spoof movie. Oh, God, that movie's so good. But then it's just, it's that fucking horse shit with the scary movies that really ruin things. I know. I don't hate superhero like movies. That might be the only one worth a damn. You know, I mean, I watched um, Not Another Teen Movie recently because I hadn't seen it in a million years. Uh -huh. And I was like, that some it has some good yeah that's, that's before the tipping point that's i mean yes they called yes, it a it movie was. you know whenever they added movie to it is when it started to go bad that's when they started doing like meet the spartans and date movie and epic movie and fucking stan helsing and vampires suck and something um, super fast so according to the dictionary it spoof and parody are synonyms okay okay so if that helps. And then, what was the other word we were wanted to know? Farce. I don't know if that is even part of it. I think farce maybe farce. is more like a stage, kind of like, um, oh, what do you call Comedic, it? dramatic work using buffoonery and horseplay, typically including crude characterizations and ludicrously improbable situations. Slapstick comedy is a synonym. Well, then, I would say so probably UHF is almost a farce. Because, okay, so it's not a straight-up parody. Because the main line through the whole movie is straightforward. The parodies and the sketches, if you would say, yeah. come from what he's trying to air on U62. Mm -hmm. And some of it, too, is just his imagination that is never on the, the TV That's station. Right, it's right, just right. a lot of the really outlandish stuff is just his fantasy world. Yeah, it's a very strange movie. They, they don't really make anything like this. And, no. you know, I didn't know this at the time, is that the movie was a massive flop, that Orion had everything bet on this movie. The the test audiences were through the roof, 
And then when it came out, it was just dead on arrival. And it wouldn't find a life till video. But even then, it was one of those word of mouth kind of things where you couldn't find yeah. it. It was kind of like the way it was with Monster Squad. You had to find like bootlegs and, and you're paying like 60 bucks for a VHS copy. And it wasn't until Man, about 10 years ago. It, when it, was rough to, it was really rough to be a, a movie enthusiast in the 80s. God. You remember how we talked about <laughs> search around for movies? I mean, I drove yes. to other towns to find movies. And nowadays... I remember just... going to lots of drugstores. Yes. Everybody had videos back then. Everybody. We, we had... We lived in a town called Huntington, Indiana, where it wasn't... Uh, we had just come... Okay, let me rewind a little bit. We came from Fort Wayne. That was a much, much, much bigger city. And they didn't have videos all over the place. They were kind of condensed into places like Del Mar and Video Stop. Those were like the big ones. And then you'd kind but of... But I still remember going to grocery stores and video did. stores, even when we were little. Yeah, well, yeah, that's... We did have... Scott. Well, that was the other thing. Grocery stores and drugstores had them. Kelch had them. That's where we went all the time to get dollar videos. And that's where we picked up UHF. And that's where I annoyed mm -hmm. the man behind the counter asking him every single damn day for UHF if it was in. Or American Ninja 3. Let's say this. American Ninja 3 did not yes. reward me for all that patience. UHF definitely did. But in Huntington... Yeah. It was weird because, yes, we had Hometown Video, Video Connection, that weird one downtown that eventually became Hometown Video. But for the most part, we were finding them in gas stations, we found them in bookstores. There was that weird video store that hopped in and out all the time. Remember, there was one that like he would show up and he always breaks some sort of law and he got shut down for renting out like screeners and stuff like that. And then you just like, one of those rotating like, oh, he's back again, just in a new building. I can't say I remember that. You have a much better memory than I do. I do. It's so, just, it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just remember the general, the general hunt. Um, and that was, you know, before um, videos being available, like, through your library were, was a very common thing. Yeah. Well, um, in Fort Wayne, yes. that was now a, it's, yeah. yeah, in Fort Wayne is where we got our first VCR and VHS tapes. We would rent it for the weekend. We'd grab two or three movies, whatever. That's how we saw it for mm -hmm. a long time. Then we finally got a VCR in 85. But it's before you could buy them. They were um, always 89 99 whenever you see that in, like, some sort of catalog. You're like, who the yeah. hell has this kind of money? And then... I remember that. I don't I know what the first sell-through title was, like, the minute it came out. I want to say it was E.T. You mm -hmm. usually had to wait years, and it had to be, like, a fairly well-known movie from a bigger studio in order for them to go, well, it's worth it to us to put this in stores. And then eventually, you know, as years would go on, you get like, oh, this is $9.99. What a bargain. And now we scoff at it. I will look at a collection of four movies go, $9.99. I don't know, man. That seems like, uh, I can, can I stream this? <laughs> anyway, UHS. Yeah, I know. We were, sorry, that was I, a tangent. But, uh, it's a, no, it's okay. What, what I was going to say, though. I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. What I was going to say, though, is those video stores, if they didn't have the sell-through titles, you're not going to find them unless they're used. And that's what became, like, this crazy yeah. hunt. I had Monster Squad. I got it from a grocery store that was selling them out. I never found UHF. I had a shitty, you know, mono track off HBO that we watched until the tape broke. I just have to say, too, that that whole hunting, you know, the whole hunt thing that we lived in our childhood, looking for these desirable items that were so hard to find, kind of molded our whole lives. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how much time we would take to do these kind of things. <laughs> you know, it's... You, you would make a list of things that you were searching for in your head, and you would go to each store trying to find it, either to buy or rent, and it's completely lost on people now because they can just go on Amazon, click, 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 and you're, you got it. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, you know, we the appreciation of the art, and I say that in quotation marks, you know, is different now because everything is so easily accessible. Yeah. People don't have to. People don't have to work for... You, know, yeah, you, you don't know. have to do that damn thing where, like, 50 bucks. I don't know, man. Do I really want that Steve Martin Live? Yes, I bought it. I paid 50 bucks for Steve Martin Live before Shout Factory bundled up all his stuff together for, like, 12 bucks. That's too bad. But, hey, worth every penny. It was, and so was Ruben and Ed. Uh, UHF, 
Oh, yes. Anyway. <laughs> UHF, well, Ruben and Ed kind of connects to it, too, because it's from an era where these little independent studios were trying to do the weirdo stuff. I don't feel like yeah. anybody does weird movies anymore trying to find a niche audience. It basically starts with, like, the midnight movies of the 70s, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Zardoz, mm-hmm. Pink Flamingos, the whole John Waters thing. And then yeah. if you look through the track of the 80s, it's you know, that's the only reason like Elm Street exists, where uh, you know uh, they get all the knockoffs, like all the Mad Max movies and uh, Gremlins ripoffs and stuff like that. That's where you find all the weird old movies. And Orion was one of those mid-level, like they had hits, they had money, and they did this weirdo movie for a decent amount of money, and they put it in theaters expecting it to be a huge hit. And I almost wonder if today something like that would go straight to, like, VOD, Netflix, something like that. Oh, sure. Yeah, it definitely would. With... And and I was going to say, you know, I don't really understand why they were banking so much on this movie, because, like, why? There was no huge stars. It was all, like, mostly up-and-coming, like comedians and comedic actors who hadn't really found their footing yet. And I mean, Weird Al is not an actor. I mean, he's funny and he's does a good job, but he's not an actor. No. You know, I, why were, I, I'm guessing, what were they thinking? I'm guessing it was the test audiences. They were so positive towards it. This seems like something that you throw in like the dump area, like, oh, what do we got coming out in January? We got nothing. We'll throw UHF around spring or uh, you know winter break or whatever that it'll make some okay cash. But I think the reviews are so positive that they put it up against shit like Batman and Turner and Who, Johnny I Shrunk the Kids. I have to Crazy. wonder, like, where did they find their test audience? Did they just pull all the people from the comic book shops and that's it? Because I mean, I just, I mean, UHF to me is a great movie. And I just watched it again, and I, I'm telling you, I've seen it at least 12, 15 times in my life. Yeah. It still holds up. It's still funny. The jokes still stick. But, like, I, I don't know what they were banking on, all these unknown people with a weird concept movie. Yeah, it's... It's strange. I mean, Weird Al did have a big comeback with Even Worse. I'll let you know, everybody, my mm-hmm. very first album that I ever purchased was Weird Al, Dare to be Stupid, which I obsessed with, and, uh... What's that? I was just singing the song to myself. Oh. The, um... Sorry. <laughs> I missed the next one, the, like, Polka Party, whatever, which had, uh, Living with a Hernia and Christmas at Ground Zero, and, um... Even worse, really broke out at a very funny video for Fat, which would never be made today. Oh, there's no, no way. No, it would not. But that was a huge hit. And um, that, that that cassette had so many hits off of it for him. You know, he usually was a one and done. He'd have that, you know, whatever. Um, uh, lasagna, I always loved. La, lasagna. Um, but I just, just, so many, like, catchy songs, and it sold very well. And I think it's because of that heat. They thought he was going to be a big comedy star. He had a very funny cameo in Naked Gun. I don't know. It's just all these mm-hmm. things lined up. Any other time, I'm not sure it would have worked. Maybe after his uh, Nirvana parody, uh, Smells Like Nirvana, he might have been able to do a movie. It is a shame. Yeah. He, he talked about in an interview that he was they were talking about doing UHF, too, because it did so well on video. And, of course, yeah. it never happened. Well, I don't even know what other ideas he could have, though. That's the thing is you really don't want to sequelize stuff like this because they already met their goal. It's kind of the way, the way it is with Anchorman. You already completed that task. Comedies are very, very hard to make sequels to because it's not like the way it is. It feels it exactly like the first one. Yeah, it's a lot like that where there's the adversary, they build it up or whatever, and the payoff. It's not like an action movie. It's completely different with that. There's just a new villain every movie, and you just create new adventures for them. With comedy, you know, I was thinking like, you know, Wayne's World 2 is the same exact yeah. movie, just with better jokes, I think. But the problem is the plot is the same. Horrible Bosses 2, yes. plot is the same. Comedy is so di- difficult to sequelize. Has there been a franchise of comedies that's gotten better? Mm, question mark. Yeah, it always seems like comedies are best as a one and done, really. Well, because, you know, the, the second ones are almost always the same exact formula, but what's missing is the surprise factor. Yeah. You know, so many movies like, oh, Zoolander, well, Oof, you know, gosh. it was ridiculous. 
I'm just saying, like, yeah. I hated the movie the first time I saw it, but still it was like, well, the, like, you had no idea what to expect, this ridiculousness. But then it's like, but then Zoolander 2 is like, Ugh. Yeah, you have to bring in different kind of elements. Like, the way that Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is the same characters, but in a completely different world. Yes. I mean, what would they do? Yeah. The only thing I could think of is if you took Weird Al's character and had him run a movie studio. That's it. Like, the only direction you could go. You can't call it UHF 2, though. You have to call... Mm -hmm. Oh, you call it UHF Studios, then, I guess. I mean, they're not they're not talking about making a sequel now, are they? You never know. This movie has legs. Oh, okay. I think this movie's pop more popular now than it was in the last, like, you know, say 30 years ago when it hit video. I, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who hasn't seen this movie and who doesn't love this movie. And there, there's, like weird occult merchandise. I'm waiting for, like, a Funko head of it. I want to see, like, Stanley I, Spadowski Funko. I think the world that you... The people that you mix with and the people I mix with are very different. They I are. I don't know anybody who's seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anybody who's seen this movie. Your taste in movies is my fault, I think, sometimes. <laughs> Everything is your fault. It kind of is. Blame Michael. Um, <laughs> um, so You did have a very... You had a major influence on my, um, my, the things that I watched and listened to and did in my very vulnerable middle school years. <laughs> but I think that it made me, it actually made me, um, I think most people thought I was cool. Yeah. Especially when I was a sixth grade, sixth grade and I wore your Pearl Jam shirt to school. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was cool. I don't even remember having a Pearl Jam shirt. I don't remember that. You did. <laughs> All right. You um, did. So, uh, UHF, for me, um, I got burnt out on the movie after a while. I went, like, you know, six or seven years without watching it. And this last time I watched it, I caught on Voodoo. It was free. And I was like, okay, you know what? I've had enough of a break away from this that I can enjoy it again. There is one problem. Yeah. I actually think Weird Al might be the weak link in, the, weak link in this. Like, yeah, his, his concepts and jokes are great. But his acting is really irritating sometimes it's like this thing that digs into your like i don't know like, ah, checkboard. no i know what you mean completely like his uh uh i don't know like going from zero to not 60 but like 180 there's no in between yeah i just don't know what to do anymore <laughs> yeah but my god there's just such such random, amazingly funny, bizarro shit, like yeah. Spatula City. Oh, like... by the way, Andrew made a Spatula <gasps> City shirt that's just absolutely delightful. Oh, is it still available? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a... I, I must find it. I'll give you a link for it. Um, okay. I just think about the cast. This is like the first time I'd ever seen Michael Richards, and then soon after this we saw him on Seinfeld oh, yeah. and Problem Child. Absolutely. I mean, he had been kind of established in the comedy scene before this, just never really hit his niche. He's in Transylvania 6 5000. He was on Fridays for their, what, two or three seasons, which is like the competitor with SNL. But this is the one that I just really like. This guy is strange. He is from like another planet. And then you stop and realize most of the people in this movie are coming from like a different wavelength than most movies. Mm-hmm. What is the guy from, damn it, it's Anthony something. He's from uh, General Hospital, and he played the mad scientist. Bila. It's like, I think his name is like Healed or something, Anthony Healed or something like ah, that. Damn it, I'm going to have to cheat. But it's, it's so funny looking, I can't remember. looking at him in this movie compared to what he normally looks like. Because I guess he was Luke and Laura, characters on General Hospital, before I started watching. Sure. Yes, I watched General Hospital, don't you judge me. If you, if you lived in our household with our mother, you kind of had to. <laughs> we know way too much about, oh, around the time that Frisco was on there and Scorpio. And <laughs> I mean, you remember that whole thing about when we were in Palm Springs and we saw him, like, in real life. Oh, that? yeah, yeah, you took pictures of this. What's his name? I can't remember his name. And had to send it, and had to, like, send it to mom. His name is Anthony Geary. Okay, okay, there we go. Yeah, Philo. Um... Harvey Belichick. What a weirdo. That guy looks like he's a mole man that came out of the ground just for this movie. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, and I forgot Victoria Jackson was delightful. There's so many random, like, <laughs> Getty Watanabe, Billy Barney. Oh, my so God. Many. How many, for years, 
we would annoy people with, Stupid! You're so stupid! <laughs> or, Wheel of Fish! Hootie, what's in the box? Nothing! Absolutely nothing! Absolutely nothing! <laughs> um, this might be the first time I'd ever seen Fran Drescher, probably. Yeah, I think. totally. I um, think she'd been in a few things before this. And the funny thing is, she's in Spinal Tap, which we discussed on the movie before this, or episode before oh, this, but well, we didn't know who she I was. I don't. I didn't see Spinal Tap for many years after UHF. Yeah. I mean, way after. Um, oh, but I will also say, my exposure to Emo Phillips, I think, had a strong effect on my comedic um, interests. <laughs> I love uh, I think it... When he said, this just, is I, a very sophisticated piece of machinery. And he's like, it's a table saw. It's a table saw. <laughs> Like, I mean, what does an eight-year-old be, do, like, what business does an eight-year-old have being, like, introduced to the comedic <laughs> stylings of Emo Phillips? I don't know. <laughs> um, Kevin McCarthy is, I mean, he's been in a bunch of other movies. He was one of the Joe Dante kind of guys that would pop up. But for me, this is his role. Yes, I know Body Snatchers is his, like, famous one. But this he is like the king of snotty, rich, entitled, basically like uh, if Trump owned a, a TV station. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. R.J. Fletcher, a UHF station! <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, his son, Very John charming. Paragon. Do you know what John Paragon's from? Uh, no, a whiny bitch school. <laughs> no, he played... He was just so snotty. He was. He was mecha like a high, mecha hiney ho, mecha like a high, mecha shiny ho. No, he's not. Yes. Shut up. He was uh, really good friends with uh, uh, Paul Rubens, and they basically created Pee Wee Herman together when they were at the Groundlings. And yeah, that's that's uh, R.J. Fletcher's kid. That's so weird. You know what? I just he is one of the most obnoxious villainy type characters I've ever seen. I put him way up there with like Joaquin Phoenix and like Gladiator. Yeah, just I was so thinking whiny and obnoxious. What is Ted McGinley's Ugh. character in Revenge of the Nerds? You know that kind of snotty. Mood. Oh. Well, Stan Gable. Stan Gable. There's no reason I know these things. There's, there's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know my family members' names sometimes, and I remember characters from movies. Jeez. Yeah, there's only ro- so much room in your brain, you know? Yeah, you, <laughs> it's the important it stuff. <laughs> with, with nonsense, there's no room for important things. That's what I tell people all the time, and that's why I'm so good at my job. <laughs> yeah, but actually, that makes complete sense. Nonsense. Um, I want to do give credit. I am so good at my job because of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get into some of the parodies, the one that I want to give credit to, because he's the straight man, he's the one that basically holds it together. You know how there's always a straight man in these kind of comedies that are like the glue, but they never yes. get any notice? Uh, David Bowe is his best friend. He's the one with the long curly hair and the, the floppy hat that runs the station with him. He's a face you've seen yeah. throughout the years, but you never usually connect, you know, what his name is, whatever. I want to give a shout-out to that guy because I think those guys don't give any credit or get any credit, and it's kind of a bummer. Yes. I and here The weird thing is, is that I felt like I actually recognized him, and he was one of the few people that I actually did recognize well, from the movie, but I don't know if that's really true. It is, because we watched a movie where he was a significant role in about 80,000 times a year before called Back to the Beach. Oh, he was in Back to the Beach? Yeah, he's a surfer dude, oh, man. He is. Yeah. Oh. That is, that's exactly what it is. We saw Back to the Beach so many times. I never figured, I, well, Pee Wee Herman's in that too. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Oh my god, I've seen that movie so many times. Now it all makes so much sense. Uh, <gasps> so some of the parodies that I I, I quote constantly, uh, Conan the Librarian, Don't you know the Dewey no, Decimal the System? Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> Which, uh, do you ever get to say that to anybody? <laughs> um, they wouldn't get it, so it doesn't really matter. All right, darn it. Um, 
the uh, of course the Raiders Lost Ark one really just sets the tone immediately. I was like, this is crazy. I mean, it's almost the perfect way to start the show. Yes, and I would also say that that's probably the thing that the the scene that has influenced comedy the most from that movie because there's been several other similar parody riffs maybe i don't know on what but i know i've seen other like tribute yeah i mean because the the parodies before that were kind of like a general like this is a genre we're making fun of it wasn't usually a specific movie and the way uhf warms up to it being like this is how we're going to introduce this is like almost a different segment that's why this is kind of a sketch movie mixed with parody because that really sets the tone, and then it goes into its normal story, is that he's a daydreamer who can't hold a day job. And his constant flights of fantasy. You know, of course, there's the uh, the music video parody, Beverly Hillbillies, which is... Um, I, I'm trying to remember. It's uh, Dire Straits. I Want My MTV is the parody that's of. The movie's wild because it doesn't really stick to any format because there's TV parodies, there's movie uh-huh. parodies, music video parodies. But then they have just crazy shows. Uh, what's that? The, the the animal show, where he's just licking oh tortoises and throwing. That's the part that's hardest for me to take now is when he's trying to teach puppies to fly. And like, fuck, that's messed up. Yeah, and also wouldn't happen if the movie was made now. No, God, no. And uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like, there's the what's the the bowling for strip bowling, right? No, strip poker. Strip, sol- it's strip solitaire, because strip solitaire makes no sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, was it the joys of mud? You look in the background when he's showing all the new shows, and there's just the crazy titles going on back there. But of course, the big centerpiece of this is Stanley Spidowski's Spidow- Spidow- Funhouse. Which before that was, what, it was Bobbo and the stupid clown, and the kids hated him, and they're hot. It was Louis- Uncle... Uh, Uncle oh, Funzie's Uncle Playhouse. Nuts, I think it's Amanda. Uncle Nutsy's Funhouse. Nutsy's. <laughs> hey, yeah. Bobbo, want to try some dog biscuits? <laughs> oh, boy. But it's it's Stanley Spigowski's show that is so pure and innocent in its weirdness. And Michael Richards really captures his childlike personality. And yes, the movie's a parody, but there's a sweet, uh, you know, like a sweet innocence to all of the things that he does that the Stanley Spadowski stands mm-hmm. for and I think that's the real heart of the movie just taking away his mop now makes me so sad yeah yeah that's and also like how how easily he is heartbroken but also how easily he is um pleased and like has trust and love for um George yeah. for doing almost nothing yeah and the joy that the kids have with it, but drink from the fire hose. My God, I think that kid broke his neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of that stuff probably would have killed those kids. <laughs> the, um, but the one character that's so unbelievably bizarre, and he sticks in my head to this day, I've only ever seen the actor maybe in one other thing. I don't even know his name. I have to look it up. But the homeless guy is so... Fucking oh, bizarre. He looks like a Muppet gone horribly wrong. Agreed. I don't, I'm going to look this guy up. I, I just saw him oh, in something else. He's like in a cameo in some movie. Go ahead. I was just saying, I, w- I f- was forgetting that he also did a bunch of par- parodies of like uh, talk shows. It was called Town Talk, but it was all like a mix of Phil Donahue and oh, Geraldo yeah. and like all of those. That was, that was funny. His Rambo want his Rambo and, uh, Oh God, I don't even know what else. Just so much stuff. Wow. Okay. So actually did, he acted more than I thought he did. Vance Colvig is his name. Um, did voice work for cartoons. A lot of voice work. actually. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, See, he was in uh, God, nothing you've seen. Damn, he's in Dudes. I don't know if you ever seen that. Pass the ammo. Oof. Big Top Pee Wee, nope. which we ignore that exists. someday. I'm gonna force myself to watch that again. Mm, um, I've seen it. I think once. He, I don't know if he died. Let me look here, because it looks like he died almost immediately after UHF. He died March 3rd, 1991. 
See, I honestly thought for years that he was a real homeless man who was out of his fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. Oh my god, he was one of the first Bozo the Clowns. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, I know I'm cheating like we're not supposed to do, but I'm looking at the most interesting facts from uh, UHF and how the role of Philo was offered to Crispin Glover. It makes sense. I can totally and see that. It says, but he was only interested in in the role of Crazy Ernie, the used car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld was considered for the role of Bob. The role of Stanley uh, was written with Michael Richards in mind, but they were also considering Christopher Lloyd. So many strange things. Wow. Jennifer Tilly auditioned for the role of Terry. I, so I, I feel like there might be a weirdness if she had done it. Though, though she's really innocent in uh, The Wrong Guy, so I guess it could have worked. She has a definite like sweet innocence about her, but I don't know. I've never seen her not have the sexy thing with the innocence. Holy shit. So this guy's dad, Pinto Kolvig, was the very first Bozo the Clown. He portrayed him wow. till 1956 when Larry Harmon, one of the original, you know, like, uh, you know how they hired out bozos to be nationwide, to go to events and have the TV shows, whatever? Yes. He purchased yes. the rights to Bozo. This is so strange huh. because then he hired other people to play Bozo on the road. So Pinto Colvig, who created Bozo, gets it taken away from him. And then his son Aww. ends up portraying Bozo, hired by Larry. Oh, my God, I think I opened a wormhole in time. <laughs> I think I think that you're flipping out right now. Yeah, it's crazy. I just never even knew this. Okay, so yeah. I mean, to... Bozo the Clown was kind of important to our very innocent childhood. That fucking game with the ball. How could you I miss know. the first I one? Know. How could you're one foot away? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, UHF has a fully decked out DVD that went out of print that everybody went crazy for. Thankfully, Shout Factory bought the rights um, from Orion. And this is the thing, is that MGM Studios has been in trouble since 1989. And their catalog has gone all over the place because they keep going out of business. They keep selling them off. And sometimes they sell their stuff off to companies that don't want to put any money into it. Thank goodness. Shop Factory is like the king of like, what do you call it? Specialty yeah. label where they just load it to the gills mm -hmm. with new features and, and they clean the print up. Uh, do you have the Blu-ray or thank, do you have the DVD? Thank goodness. You know what? I think I had a DVD, but I'm not even sure what I have. I'll have to look at it. Okay. I actually was super lazy and I watched it on uh, Amazon Prime, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious about the uh, the new version from Shop because uh, I, I, they added some new features. Because the DVD itself was so informative. They, they talk nonstop. I hate commentary tracks where, like, and this is the part where, yeah, I can see it. I don't, you don't need to describe to me what I'm actually seeing. Tell me more about the behind the scenes of this movie. And, you know, he has, like, you know how if you sometimes sit a, let a movie sit too long like they did with Spinal Tap where they start narrating it? They do that with UHF. Yeah. Like, he'll come up and goes, are you going to press play or what? What's going on with you? Come on already. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, I did want to also mention that part of our motivation for even talking about UHF is that we're just just about a month past its 30th anniversary. Yeah, it's, uh, thank, thank goodness people started to notice it. Yeah, we wanted to do it earlier, but there's only so many things you can fit into a month, so we're a little late on that one. Um, frankly, oh, Drop Dead Gorgeous to me was, they are both released around the same time, just 10 years apart. I thought Drop Dead Gorgeous probably needed mm -hmm. more immediate attention. I don't know if anything needs immediate attention, but no, I'm more does. than happy to watch it again. All right, so our second feature is Death to Smoochie, a massive, massive flop that came out. Critics hated it. You and I watched it, and we loved it. We're like, I Did guess... We? Dark comedies just don't did play we, well. Did we see it at the movie theater? Oh, you know what? I'm wrong about this. You saw it first at the theater, and then we rented it yeah. later. And that Okay, so you were the first one championing this. Okay, everybody, if you're a cult fan, a fan of Death to Smoochie, it's her. It's her. She did right there. <laughs> I remember well, you, went, you went fairly I, early on. 
you know, once in a while, I am hip, but not very often. Yeah, I have no idea what motivated me to go see this movie. It was, uh, I think it was <laughs> you were you were in a you're starting to discover like the dark side, you know, uh, darker humor, whatever. And we were big fans of Edward Norton. Like he during this time period was king. He was like the was hottest king. growing actor. Whatever happened to that dude? I haven't seen Edward Norton forever. I don't know. I think that. He got bitter because they didn't want to have him be Hulk anymore, and he got all mouthy, and now nobody wants to work with yeah, him. Yeah, I, I know I'm that he was sure. extremely difficult while making it, and I don't know if he had a whole lot of hits to support. You know, sometimes they'll ignore that if you have a bunch of things to back you up, but yeah. most of the stuff was, I mean, even Fight Club, maybe his most famous movie, was not a hit. In fact, it lost, like, half its budget, uh... So he was always like one of those guys that everybody acclaimed. You know, he's like the greatest. He's the next generation. You know, remember the score where it's like, we got the three greatest actors of each generation. Brando, De Niro, yep. Edward Norton. And so that's how hot he I mean, was. I think that he is, is, what I understand is notoriously difficult to work with because he wants to rewrite all the dialogue and, you know, you know, fix everything because, you know, he thinks he knows better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the guy. I don't know if that's true, but it seems like, I mean, he is still working, but, you know, it seems like the people who are willing to work with him are like Wes Anderson. And, right. You know, that was he's you know, in Birdman, he's, right? Yeah. He's in Birdman. He's in Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom. Then he does a bunch of random... He did Isle of Dogs, so he really works with them a lot, but... Okay. Sausage Party? God damn, that movie was so bad. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, I, I, I thought... Everybody was like, it's so, it's so funny. I was like, this is a piece of shit. I got 15 minutes into it, and I'm done. Um, it was not funny. Death to Smoochie. Um, the first time I had heard of it was when Jon Stewart left Daily Show for like a month to do his scenes. And I was like, this must be, like, a really important movie for him to put it on hold. And I bet you he also thought it was going to be a lot better, or do a lot better than it did. And that had yeah. to be it. That's the last time he acted, isn't it? It's like that's the I last don't time know, I but I, I can see why it might have been motivating him to never act again. I, I always think of this period as when Catherine Keener really played was, a lot of these yes. tough female leads... Like, a lot of the more sophisticated comedies, she was, like, the go-to person for this kind of genre. She was, like, the sexy but smart, um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I know she, it's, here, here's the interesting thing is, I didn't remember that much about this movie, and I will be honest and tell you that mostly this time around, it just made me sad. Like, I didn't really think it was funny, it just was sad. And um, maybe that's partially because, like, Rob, seeing Robin Williams be so, like, mentally unstable meant something different now. Probably. Yeah, I than... did. I did feel that. I thought the movie was funnier this time around, but I also had this weird somber feel inside of me because he's gone, but two, also because of the way he went. And we don't yeah. really notice until later a lot of times the sad clown yeah. is so prevalent out. I mean, Jim Carrey has yeah. the same thing going, which I'm always a little concerned about him. Guys, you know, that... here's the... In... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, here's an interesting... What Partially what I was going to say about Katherine Keener is that at that time, you know, she was really kind of uh, just all over the place for those, three, you know, few years and really making her mark. But the strange thing is, is like now she's almost doing um, bookends of this thing because now she's on the Jim Carrey show, Kidding, which is interesting that you mentioned Jim Carrey. Yeah. So it's 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 actually Kidding is also, is actually kind of a similar idea to Death to Smoochie. It's a dark comedy about the host of a children's television show, and Katherine Keener is also in it. This time, she is his sister and is kind of dumpy and not well-respected and is kind of like the quiet sidekick. Yeah, I, I watched the first episode. It's really good. I didn't even think about the connection to Deaths of Smoochie because they're very similar. The thing that I always wonder about a lot of these children hosts 
if it just eats away at them sometimes or things change in their life or they're just fucked up and they're hiding behind you know that mask clowns disturb mm-hmm. me and i think that's why shakes the clown still resonates we're not going to talk about it but i just want to say it resonates because it's just a mask these messed up people are hiding behind and that's a lot of what's going on in death to smoochie is that edward norton is a pure soul and he's not you know causing any trouble um whereas robert williams i don't know i can't remember if they actually say that he was always kind of corrupt or over the years he became cynical and broken he's like uh, how much you want to pay to get your little booger eater on my show? Ugh. You know? And, and... Yeah. I mean, they don't really delve that much into, like, did he start off as a good guy? Or was he always in it for the money? Or what the thing is? You know, they don't get that deep. But, you know, overall, whatever happened, it was, you know, that's part of what was so dark and weird about Death to Smoochie is that, there was just layer upon layer of, like, bad and even more evil. And, like, all the, like, mobsters who wanted to get into, like, the kitty show money and all the weird stuff. And, um, I mean, I'm sure it's uh, an exaggeration, but maybe there's something to it. Thankfully, the child host that we had when we were kid, uh, kids uh, was Happy the Hobo, and as what I've read about him, he was an incredibly kind man who sadly passed very, very yeah. young. Um, he used his yeah. character to raise awareness about, you know, charities and stuff like that. And then when he realized it was time to move on to do something else, he hired someone else to play him, his character. And then he went on to do tons of charity work, created fortune cookies mm-hmm. that made a ton of money. Oh, and yes. I never, I never got to have it. I don't know if they even still I... make them. Oh, I bought a giant variety pack of his fortune cookies. And? and I think that's how we found out. Oh, okay. Were they good? They were lovely. Oh, good. Yeah. And I think, if I remember correctly, I don't he, even... he passed like in his late 40s of leukemia, I think. I have to look this up. But Happy the Hobo, you should look them up. If they're still around, the, the, they make fortune cookies or whatever, but a lot of that money goes back to charity. Yes. Darn it, I took a drink. I thought you were going to no, talk. <laughs> fancy, fancy Fortune Cookies is the name of it. Okay. And his real name is Mike Fry. And we met him when we were kids. Uh, just Because the only time we're going to be able to tell a story. We won a contest <laughs> for reading as many books as we possibly could. <laughs> More than any student in our school, right? I think maybe, well, that's not true. I think a total of four of us went, right? I was um, the oldest, so it was a little embarrassing later reflecting on it is is that is that really the base the 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 how we got on that show i don't remember i just assumed like inevitably every kid in who lived in our general area went on a show at one point or another yeah i mean yes you could <laughs> have some tickets well if you remember i think it was a two-year waiting period to get tickets it was insane but because we won that contest for reading so many books we got tickets given to us by the school and we went and we were on the air and I was so disappointed when I actually saw the studio and it was the size of a closet. Yeah. It was so tiny and yeah. our parents were off in the corner uh, watching us, whatever. And I had to sit in the back because I was the tallest. But do you remember getting in line and meeting him and you had to say something on TV? Yeah, but didn't I get scared or something? And I, like... <laughs> yeah, I, I think know. I remember like... You didn't want to say anything, and I think you looked at mom and then said, then you said something, whatever. Then he had me, since I was the tallest, and I was the last one, he told me to say, shit, is so embarrassing. Uh, he told me to say, we'll be right back, babe. And I was like, what? I can't say that. And he's like, just say it. And I go, and I was like, uh, we'll, we'll be right back, babe. <laughs> I kind of, I do kind of remember that, but I'm just going to say that anybody who's listen, who actually listens to this, I'm a librarian now. Like, there's a definite, definite correlation between, uh, oh, every moment of my life has led me to this, <laughs> and I, I, I won a contest by reading the most books. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. I don't yeah. even remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Um... I mean, I remember the experience. I just didn't remember, like, how we got it. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? We're not going to do the second half with Jacob because I never expected to go this long. But I want to say real quickly, 
Uh, I think the reason why this movie works so well isn't just because of the cast. I think it's because of Danny DeVito's eye. He was one of the only. <laughs> he was one of the only people doing really dark comedies. It starts with Throw Mama from True. the Train. Throw Mama from the Train is so dark and twisted at times, and it was a huge, huge hit. And then War of the Roses was a big hit, which I watched uh, not too long ago, and it is so good. I did not like it as a kid. I think it's absolutely fantastic now. Well, we we watched a lot of stuff as a kids that we couldn't possibly really understand or appreciate. Yeah, it was just <laughs> way too dark, way too mature. And then I don't remember what he did after that. I think he did, like, The Bear or something like that, maybe Hoffa. But then he did Matilda, which I know everybody loves, and I think I missed my window to watch that and enjoy it, which has happened a bunch with, like, Hocus Pocus and Never Any Story. But I'm going to try it. I am going to try Matilda and see if I enjoy it. I'm I'm going to tell you honestly that, you know, we both missed that window together, and I actually watched it maybe, like, a year or so ago. I think when, um, you know, Martha, what's her name? Mara... Mara, whatever Wilson. the girl who is in that, Mara Wilson, you know, she, the girl who is in that, and like Mr. Da, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff, she wrote a book and I, I read it and it was really good and I was like, oh, I want to see this now. It was really good. It was, um, you know, I have a lot of uh, positive feelings towards um, Roald Dahl and his books. Um, so, because he was a really dark fucker. Like, he wrote children's books, but he didn't even really like children. And he wrote, you know, fucking shit. All right. So, anyway, um, it's based on one of his books, and it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's dark and interesting, and I think that it makes perfect sense that, that he was in that movie, and I think that you'll appreciate it. And also now, it is strangely a very huge Broadway hit. What? Really? Because they made they they made a musical version of it in the last couple of years, and it is a massive hit. I don't know. Yeah, Danny DeVito, I think, had a really interesting style. It just never connected with a big audience, like in the '90s and 2000s, because even Matilda isn't that big of a hit. But you know, he did duplex. No, after, no, it's not. He did duplex after. Um, after uh, this, and that was also a big flop. That's really dark and weird, and I really appreciate his sense of humor. Oh. I mean, obviously, you see it throughout. You see it throughout. Um, uh, Sunny in Philadelphia is that it has a very twisted sense of oh. humor, and he's just there's nobody really like him. He Lincoln. was a perfect. He was a perfect addition to that show. I was looking at this Adam Resnick, who we joke about because that yeah. you know that TV show. Um, yep. Uh, action. action is where we get confused on the Adams, and um, he wrote Death to Smoochie, and he also wrote Cabin Boy. Dupa. Oh, Cabin Boy! <laughs> Which is a is a huge cult classic, not appreciated at a, when it came out, but I think oh he well he was the creator of Get a Life. Yeah, it's just a very Yo. strange sense of humor, and sadly it doesn't work a whole lot. He does the show divorced, but I feel like he's a. That's what I like about comedies. Some of my favorite comedies are movies that didn't do very well, but they have a very particular voice. I don't like movies that yeah. are made by marketing teams. You know what I mean? Like where it's just like, oh, we need this and this and this, and it needs to be like American Pie but with this. I, I want movies with a unique idea, and if it falls on its face, fine. But I want it to have its own unique, singular voice. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say before we go, because Zoe is whining like crazy. I don't know why. I mean, it's their dinner time. Um, this is when Robin Williams entered his dark period, where he did Insomnia, 24-hour yeah. photo. And it was kind of that way for a few years, where he was testing his boundaries with what he... Uh, Final Cut, I think, is another one he did. It's a really interesting period. I found it better than when he uh, he couldn't get paychecks to do this kind of stuff anymore he had to go and do old dogs and rv and stuff like that uh what's the, the what's that wedding movie that he did with uh john kaczynski can't remember it i'm sorry did you hear Li that license to wed that's what it was um i don't know it just feels like you know there was a period where he was just doing movies like just to get a paycheck because he was 
you have to. You have to do a movie for them in order to do a movie for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff that was kind of disappointing. But also, I, some things I was super confused by, like, uh, I don't know, that one about death or whatever. Just to, I, I, I was way too young. I, I was like, oh, it's Robin Williams. No, I don't get it. Oh, you mean the I one where he... I don't know if he, I get it now. I forgot about that movie. The one where he goes into, like, um, um, purgatory, right? What Dreams May Come. I guess. Yeah, you know what? I yeah, forgot there I was there was a period. I... I don't like his post uh, Goodwill Hunting kind of stuff because that's when he did Patch Adams and uh, What Dreams May Come and Jacob the Liar by Centennial Man, where it looks like mm-hmm. he was trying to make he was trying to get an Oscar every single time with a movie. That's the same thing that killed Kevin yeah. Spacey um, is that he was trying to replicate American Beauty over and over. I mean, besides the fact he's a piece yes. of shit. Yes, agreed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so our verdict on UHF holds up very, very well. You uh, you didn't feel the same about Death to Smoochie now because there is kind of a cloud hanging over it. I like it more than I did back when we originally watched it, but you are very correct in the fact that there is that weird sadness that sits in the back of your mind while you're watching it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely glimpses of genius, for sure, in there, and some of the, you know... Um, some of the character parts are just so interesting. Um, I do really appreciate how uh, Edward Norton's character—he never stoops. He never—he never changes. Like he gets frustrated, but he never sinks to the level of all of those people around him, and he like stays his true good self through the whole thing. And ultimately, his. His goodness kind of redeems everyone. Yeah, and, and Robin Williams. Which is kind of nice. Robin Williams' character has to get the snot beat out of him, literally, in order to change. And I, I think my favorite moment of the movie mm. is just this one little throwaway line, but it shows you where his character is at after getting the snot beat out of him. Everything's taken away from him. He goes to drink some coffee and he pours a little bit and he goes, "Oh my balls!" And I don't know why I laugh so hard. <laughs> oh my fucking balls! <laughs> <laughs> it's the simple things in life you it know? is well um I, I like i said before i did not expect us to go an hour so this is it for this episode i will uh just do a something else with jacob we'll talk about kentucky fried movie amazon <laughs> women of the moon maybe some others i'm not why i'm talking to movie 43 no fucking way <laughs> all right uh check us out on facebook under video night and anything else you want to say before we go hell no just It was fun to watch these movies again. All right. Everybody have a good night.